Welcome to the Fullerton Free Podcast. The purpose of this conversation is to create a space for us to reflect and dialogue about this Sunday's sermon and discuss practical ways to live out what we learn together on Sunday. Each week will be led by our hosts, Cassie and Blake Valentin, where they'll be joined by different members of our church staff and family. The conversation that you're about to listen to is just the beginning. Our hope and prayer is that you take what's begun here and continue the conversation with your life groups, adult fellowships, families, friends, or whoever you may interact with throughout the week. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Fullerton Free Podcast. My name is Cassie and I'm joined with my husband Blake and two other guests that we're about to get to know. We are excited that you're listening and yeah, Becca is one of our guests. Becca, tell us a little bit about how you came to be a part of the Fullerton Free staff and what you do here. Yes. Um, so I'm going to reverse answer you. I am on staff in our junior high ministry. Great. I'm one of the shepherds there. And I have been attending Fullerton Free Church since I was three years old. Um, for context, I'm 27. So older than three, more than one year here. (laughs) Um, and in attending, I went through the youth group myself and was a volunteer myself. And then the Lord had a couple different career paths along the way. And then he led me back here about a year and a half ago to be on staff. Awesome. And here I am. Yay. We're excited to have you. Our other guest joining us is Jeff. Jeff, tell us about how you joined our staff and what you do here. Uh, I came to work for Fullerton Free uh, about a year and a half ago. Came down from Seattle with my wife, Eugenie, and uh, got a phone call from Darren that said, um, would you come work here? And I said, yes, so now I do. <laughs> wow. What a story. Riveting. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. I bet you couldn't guess that's exactly how it happened. No. Uh, I believe something that both Becca and Jeff have in common is I believe they both have cats. Is mm. this true, you guys? That's right. This Correct. is true. Okay, Fat what Faye are and – oh. Oh, nice. I'm trying to quiz myself if that's okay. I know Fat Faye. Yep. That's, and that's our cat, Fat Faye. Okay. Scout is your dog. Scout is Becca, my dog. But I don't think I remember your cat's name. That's okay. What is it? She is offended. Oh, you know. Lady. Lady. Lady, lady cat. Wow. She is a lady. Wow. Amazing. Well, that's exciting, you guys. <laughs> These feline friends here. Well, today we're going to be discussing Second Thessalonians chapter 2, the first part of it. That was the message this past Sunday. And we just have a couple of questions. We just kind of want to chat about. So first and foremost, this is an interesting passage. It's literally titled The Man of Lawlessness or something like that. I paraphrased. But we just want to know your overall takeaways. Just from the very beginning, what are your thoughts on this passage? Does anything really stand out to you? And then we'll just kind of dive in. Sure. I will begin. I, from this passage, normally when I encounter things akin to this in scripture about Mm -hmm. end times, about antichrist, all of that. My main reaction is to just kind of defer and be like, you know what? God knows what he's doing. I'm not going to like try to really camp one way or the other. And like, I'm not really going to like theologically do too much like excavating here. I'm just kind of, I'm going to trust God on this one. So it was really cool to camp out in this and be challenged to come up with my best guess and like look at the scripture and not, and I think some of it for me has been fear of like, I don't want to offend either way. I don't want to be wrong. Also, I don't want to think about some of these topics and 
go down that spirally rabbit trail for too long. That just seems like a scary, difficult door to open. And yes, that is true. But I felt challenged in a cool way to be like, you can do the work yourself to like really lean into scripture and really lean into what God has to say about this. And through it all, it all points back to God's glory and the hope we have in Jesus. So the the work that we do to get our best guess and kind of wrap our mind around what God could be doing here is honoring him and anchoring even further in the hope that we have in him through doing that work. So that was a cool kind of convicting but exciting hmm. thing I walked away with from this passage. That's awesome. Yeah, similarly, the the golden egg, uh, that <laughs> illustration of this big, shiny golden egg on stage and not even making reference to it, just having it sit there and and we all get kind of slightly itchy about what's <laughs> yeah. what's in the egg. When's he going to use this as an illustration? And that being the illustration that things like this that we don't know what they are can oftentimes distract us from what in the text we should be paying attention right. to. And I thought that was a great illustration, just the the idea of so many times there's little things we don't know anything about in the passage. Mm. And uh, I oftentimes do take those rabbit trails and run mm. all the way down. Um, and I, this has nothing to do with anything, but as we talk about eggs and rabbit trails, why <laughs> with Easter <laughs> do we have eggs and rabbits? It, it's never made sense to me. Yeah, it's weird. It's a but really I, good question. We probably shouldn't go down that rabbit trail. It's possible we shouldn't. Sure we could. But we could. Maybe come Easter time we'll yeah. discuss that. We'll, we'll do a part two of this podcast. Yeah, I, I so echo what you guys would say. One thing that kind of stood out to me, Becca, similar to you, I, I don't know if I go out of my way to really camp on these passages uh, that talk about end times or the Antichrist or whatever, but one thing that I don't know if you guys can relate to, but I feel like the series, the books and the movies left behind, you guys familiar with those? Oh, yeah. The Nick Cage movie? Oh, absolutely. Um, oh, that's the revamp, yeah. Those kind of, I feel like, shaped a lot of poor, um, maybe theology or emotional reactions to this topic. Um, kind of similar to what you're saying, Jeff, of... Uh, reading the wrong things from mm. the passage. And so I think it's it's created a lot of fear base, at least for me and I can maybe say for the generation I'm a part of, because that was a lot of the media we consumed as maybe if you went to church mm-hmm. growing up. Um, and I feel like it created a lot of fear-based theology. Right. And um, maybe because of that, I have avoided those passages because it feels uncomfortable or it feels like I'm not sure. And it just feels riddled with fear rather than just what's true and what is actually being presented in the scripture. Right. So. Well, and I think what I really appreciate is the idea that we are supposed to, you know, dig a little bit, but we're not supposed to get lost in the digging. Mm -hmm. Um, Even this passage, like when we first read it before the sermon started, I was like, oh man, this is going to be one where, you know, we're staking different ideas Mm -hmm. and claims and we're really going down this rabbit trail. But he was able to pull a point out of it, not necessarily about the end times, but through talking about the end times, um, which is really cool. Yeah. There's a few things that I feel like he laid out um, in the scriptures that I appreciated before even getting to, he kind of used the framework of guesses and goals Mm -hmm. and guarantees that we see in the scripture. But what I appreciated beforehand was even, what are the things that we do know? Like he gave Mm -hmm. some actual specifics, like, 
the Antichrist precedes the day of the Lord and talking about the sovereignty of God, but even just specifically for us, how we can handle this, one of the first things he said was, do we love the truth? And, mm-hmm. and how do we love the truth first? And that for me was so, I like wrote that super big. So right. that's so important as we even handle any text like this is, do we love the truth and how do we seek truth in this mm-hmm. that can be riddled with a lot of opinions? I don't know. Sure. Uh, I'm curious, uh, with these kinds of discussions, how do you both start, um, with this kind of research? Do you, do you find yourself, uh, desiring to dig deeper? I know Becca, you talked about that a little bit of sometimes it's easier to be like, Hey, God's got it. He obviously didn't make it super clear. So maybe we shouldn't jump fully into it. Um, but how do you start with this, uh, kind of conversation? Yeah. Um, Still figuring that out, actually. Sure. This yeah. is like a newer thing for me, but I I le- definitely like hearing voices and opinions through conversations with people that I know and trust that have done some work on this. And um, I think for me, as I wade into like these deeper waters and like more of the unknown and like scariness, I constantly for myself have to remind myself, okay at the end of the day, like this is giving me hope because of Jesus. At the end of the day, like I am anchored and rooted in the things I do know. And I'm anchored and rooted in the truth. Kind of like what you were saying, Cassie, with like the way this passage goes out, there's like lots of mystery, but then there's also like certainties. And so in the midst of unknowns, clinging to the certainties. And even like, as we were laying this out on Sunday morning, it was Darren was talking about being rooted in scripture. And I thought that was a huge, you know, kind of torch to go through the darkness of this yeah. creepy topic to be like scripture like that mm. is what i'm holding on to that is what is illuminating any guess um so even as i've just started to do it and started to hear conversations and i'm scared of like being swayed one way or the other or scared of what the rabbit trail might have at the end of it i myself have keep coming back to be like what do i know is true about god what do i know is true in scripture and what can i hold to in the midst of all this unknown and how can I lean into Jesus as I'm exploring things that I don't really know about or aren't comfortable to really explore. Hmm. Yeah. I think too, that, um, revelation has a line that speaks to this about end Mm -hmm. times and too often because the end times are vague and somewhat still veiled. Um, we don't know what they are. In fact, the very reason for what Paul is talking about here is, that they're starting to have somebody else write a letter that is going to say, hey, you know, Christ has already reappeared. And they're like, wait, what? When did we miss that? Mm-hmm. And that, since we've used rabbit trails a lot already, <laughs> but just as a rabbit trail, it's like, who sits down to write that letter? You know, right. what is yeah. that, that somebody would actually try to deceive somebody else? But the fact that it did happen and that he had to write a letter to correct it says right. that there there is wickedness out there mm-hmm. and that these things happen and there are people trying to do this. But then that's all the more the reason why we should love the truth, why mm-hmm. we should study these mm-hmm. things and have a firm grasp on what we do know and not on the others. So that, that passage out of Revelations, um, it's in the very first chapter, but uh, verse 3, and Revelations being one of those prophecies about the end times, says, Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written in it, for the time is near. Mm-hmm. That there's this blessedness that comes to somebody who does actually understand a little bit about it. You read it and you're like, I can't know everything about mm-hmm. it. 
But if you don't know anything, then you can that much more easily be deceived by anything. Right. So that says you've got to have some recognition of what Scripture does talk about so that you can defend against the, th- the times when somebody tries to take you down a false road. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, and sometimes the people taking you down a false road aren't trying to deceive you either. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that happens oftentimes when we create rules in Christianity, not rules, but um, uh, common beliefs that aren't necessarily grounded in Scripture, uh, that maybe we have good intentions, but it can oftentimes lead people astray. I know Darren referenced that podcast a little bit and how that's, you know, it's kind of making some people stumble because of that podcast. And uh, I think a lot of that's coming from people grounding themselves on things that are maybe guesses and not secure from the Bible. Yeah, Yeah, there is a verse in there um, in verse 9 where it says, The coming of the lawless one is by the activity of Satan with all power and false signs and wonders and with all wicked deception hmm. for those who are perishing. Sure. That you look at it and say, there is deception coming, and there is deception that's out there right now. But again, I think that's the the reason why um, we should all the more believe the truth and love the truth and hang on to the truth because of that. So I, I think there is deception out there, but you're right. It doesn't mean that some people are sitting there going, oh, my goal is to deceive you today. Right. Mm. So clearly that passage says there is somebody who has that goal, but that uh, the other side is that um, in verse three, let no one deceive you in any way. That means you have to have a handle on the truth. Hmm. Hmm. I'm curious if you guys can think of any guesses that uh, are easy to sway people that because we're talking about people guessing the end times and it's good to have these different guesses at times, but focusing too much on the guesses and saying, this is the only way it can be, can be very, uh, I don't know, it can be a big stumbling block for people. So I'm curious if you guys can think of examples of that, of uh, different guesses people give out. The one that I've seen most often is uh, who might possibly be the man of lawlessness or the Antichrist. Mm-hmm. You know, And in my lifetime, um, a little bit older than Becca, but uh, <laughs> the the concept is is that I've seen a lot of people that, um, you know, somebody thinks it's Henry Kissinger, somebody thinks it's Donald Trump, somebody mm-hmm. thinks, you know, mm-hmm. they, they come off with names about who this might be. And you just, you see the Christian community actually take part in that and, right. and suddenly going, well, does he, does he match all of these things? So that's, this very passage is one that uh, a lot of times people try to attach that, uh, that title to yeah. whoever might be the, you know, in that case, they're their bogeyman for their, sure. for their generation. Is there merit in maybe not sharing this to everyone, but like finding different people coming up and saying, Hey, that could be the antichrist. You mean, is it good if we say that uh, Darren is the antichrist? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Maybe the elder board. I'm not saying like, you know, you stand on a pulpit and preach that, but in your own life, is it good to be like paying attention to those things? I don't know your guys' thoughts on that. Yeah, I think it's it's funny. I taught two weeks ago on a Sunday to our junior hires about um, the title was Return of the King. So it's talking about Jesus mm-hmm. coming again. And some of the passages we were looking at were these, um, the signs that will happen 
during the end time. So like the sky will turn blood red. And it's like all of the classic stuff that like when you're 10 years old and you're flipping through your Bible at night, you're like, this is terrifying. Like, Oh my gosh. Like I'm just waiting for the sky to turn red one day. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it's funny because two things that I like encourage our junior hires with was one, those passages, all the ones that we went through at least were attached either before or afterwards saying like, this is the confident expectation. Like, this is exciting. Like, we are excited to see these signs and wonders because that means mm. Jesus is coming again and mm. we'll be with him forever. And then the second part of that was an analogy I gave was, um, I've recently begun running and I just did my first race. And they have Yay. mile markers at each mm like race. Right. And they have like way stations at the mile markers. And so I was trying to say, okay, when the Bible kind of gives you these like signs and wonders or like be on the lookout for the man of lawlessness, it's almost like a mile marker of like, okay, you're running this race, but Hey, if you see this, like just so you know, the end is somewhere to come. Mm -hmm. Um, and the exciting thing about mile markers, one, we can look at it and be like, Oh my gosh, I still have six miles to go on this race. But on the flip side, you're looking forward to the final mile marker, right? The finish line mm. that had balloons and my family and all great things. Um, so that is like why I think in scripture, the writers are always like, here are these signs, here are mm. these like mile markers, but get excited because the ultimate thing that all of this is pointing forward to is like forever with Jesus. Um, so I think it's easy. You're saying the mm-hmm. things that can trip people up. It's easy to get tripped up on like getting too focused in on like these signs or like, mm. you know, is there a number that we can calculate to figure out like when this day is and kind of get our eyes off of the fact that like even the writers in scripture were like, we're writing this to you as an encouragement. And I feel like that's the same tone of this too. Like when we talk, when this passage in second Thessalonians talks about like just the power that Jesus has to in verse eight, like kill with the breath of his mouth to bring things to nothing. Um, And then talking about like what is true for people, people who are with him and who do believe in him. Um, hmm. That's the exciting thing. And it's so easy, I think, to take our eyes off of that. Yeah. Yeah. And our reference to what, how we would respond either now or during those very end times shouldn't actually change. Mm-hmm. So if it's stand firm until the end, then that means right now you stand firm and at the end you stand firm. Sure. So the concept there is, is that when you're living life right now, they're in persecution. This is mm-hmm. why Paul's writing this letter. They're being persecuted, but not because of the end time stuff. So whatever Paul said to them was the way they should live their life now, and it's the way they should live their life when the man of lawlessness appears. So there should be this point of character that we're living to the end when Christ reappears, that that's what we're after. Mm -hmm. And you have this point where people are looking for those little signs and going, well, is this it? And literally then uh, my parents, when they were first married, they they heard a prophecy speaker who said, hey, these are all signs that... You know, the Israel's, you know, the fullness of Israel has come. This is the end times. And they were considering cashing out their savings and just going and enjoying life Mm -hmm. because they weren't going to live to see the end of it, you know. And so at that point, you're, you're doing the wrong thing when you start watching for those signs to say, all right, now I'm going to change my behavior. Mm. When Paul is writing and he's saying, no, all the more be, mm. be firm in how you stand. Be, mm-hmm. And again, coming back to that same phrase about loving the truth um, and then so be saved, 
that concept is being about the truth, standing firm on that. Hmm. Yeah, I, I think one thing that was brought up when we studied this passage was kind of two goals. And one of those was not being shaken, like from verse two, it says not to be quickly shaken in mind or alarmed. And I, I love that because I think, yeah, if you're hypervigilant to try to seek out every little sign, you are going to be quickly shaken. But there's the reality that there's going to be a lot of voices and a lot of words. I love what you just said, Jeff, of our life shouldn't look different if it's Mm -hmm. happening right this second or not. Like it it should be a reflection of kingdom living. And I don't know. Yeah. I, I guess I'm curious in your guys' own lives, how do you do that? (laughs) How do you, how do I want to know like what, what have you found? I mean, maybe it's it's really immersing yourself in scripture or having a, a good sober-minded friend to be like, hey, chill a little bit. Or what's what's been helpful in, in doing that? Yeah, for me, we hear this phrase all the time about 10,000 hours. What are you mm-hmm. a master at? What have you really mastered? Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of different hobbies that I have and different things that I put time into. But one of the, the ideas that if my life was really spent spending time in the Word in the morning, mm-hmm. meditating, memorizing, going to church and actually hearing somebody you know talk through that scripture, going to Bible studies, having conversations like this with friends about mm-hmm. passages and go, hey, what do you think that verse means? Those hours add up. And you get to the point to where you become, and I don't want to say that I'm a master of scripture, mm-hmm. but the point is, is that you get to be familiar with the word. You, you, you use mm-hmm. it as a bit of a foundation for yourself. And this is, a, I think, that concept, um, the reference to the slickiness boots, mm-hmm. um, where it's the whole idea that if you're, you're walking around in a place that has ice and snow and mud puddles and you're wearing Converse, that right. those are going to get soaked really quick. And then you have the realization that if I wear boots that are built for this, I'm going to be able to just walk through anything. Mm-hmm. I think that's what scripture does for us. Mm-hmm. If we choose to say, I'm going to study it, I'm going to read it, I'm going to meditate on it. And then that's exactly what scripture says. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet. You know, mm-hmm. that that's the scripture itself will be that point that navigates us through those difficult times. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah, I definitely agree being rooted in scripture and, I love that concept of being an expert at it. And I think part of that, the more that I am fluent in scripture and the more that it is just a part of my thought life, um, the more I'm able to identify voices that are not in line with scripture. So I think a big thing for me a lot of times is letting other voices have authority, letting other voices sway me or make me question or make me shaken or alarmed. And so the more that I have scripture just embedded in me, I'm able to say, you know what, that doesn't actually line up with, with truth. And that Mm. doesn't actually like hold ground because it is not the voice of authority that scripture is. Mm. So I think similarly too. I want to know what you guys think about in terms of our church, Fullerton Free, we've been talking about vision and different uh, pillars that we want our church to embody. And I'm curious how you guys uh, could see this passage uh, being reflected accurately and, and how we as a church body can be people that love to declare truth and not just guesses and yeah, how do, how do you see either any of the pillars or any of the vision from our church uh, in this passage? Or how do you see us living that out as a church? Um, so we started to talk at the same time. We made eye contact and we made weird mouth noises. So you might have I heard hope that. you enjoyed all of that. Um, I think that this 
is such the embodiment and even especially like that I that example of like the all weather boots of that com- that radiant piece rooted in confident expectation and like mm-hmm. the phrase confident expectation makes me think of Jesus coming back and makes me think mm-hmm. of eternity with him yeah. so and yes I think the pillar has more to say about like here and now but when I like think confident expectation outside of this context I'm like that is forever with God. Like that is like kind of like what I'm running towards. Mm. Um, And so being able to have peace in the midst of that is being rooted in scripture and having the boots that you can, even if your environment doesn't change, if it's rocky, if it's muddy, metaphorically. (laughs) We just had this conversation in uh, one of our leadership meetings about uh, addressing the coronavirus Mm -hmm. and that concept of the world starting to panic a little bit about Mm -hmm. what the numbers could do and what's happening in certain countries And that if we as a church are going to address this, that it should be us coming out of a place of peace rather than panic. Mm -hmm. And that is the question is how do we address the coronavirus and what's affecting our communities and our culture? So same thing, radiant peace, that's a pillar to us. That Mm -hmm. This is a point of us to be able to think through it before it even happens here in Orange County. Have we already thought about the truth and who we are and what we're going to do and how we're going to respond? Mm. Well, that's true of the coronavirus. It's also true of the, the man of lawlessness when he appears. Have we already thought that through? Are we mm. prepared for a response that's going to lead with peace and the confident expectation that Jesus is going to reappear? And we can go forward with that confidence in the middle of that. Therefore, we bring peace to a world that's going to be in a lot of disarray at that moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, do you think that's that's best uh, you know, lived out in our church by talking about it openly, by being specific, by having places for us to have a safe conversation, or, or how do we best, um, yeah. I think right now it's best if you quarantine yourself and isolate. And- <laughs> Hand sanitizer. Um, I think something that we talk about in our junior high sphere is for us and for our adult volunteers being people that bring peace and people that are just confidently rooted in who we are in Christ. And that becomes almost like a beacon to these little restless, fearful junior Mm -hmm. hires to be like, there is something like so peaceful and like so rooted about you. And I'm drawn to that. And then it happens through conversation and then it happens through shepherding and discipling of like, Mm -hmm you seem like you don't have this confident peace in who you are. So, yeah, that's great. Yeah. Kind of what you guys are both saying of both the encouragement piece, but also the conviction piece of, uh, for, for those of us that, that know Jesus and have been given a spirit of peace, not of fear, but of power, love, self-discipline. Like what does that look like for us to look differently in our apartment complexes or our neighborhoods? And, um, yeah, it's the same thing in adults that it would be with junior high students, mm-hmm. right? But how do we, yeah, that's, that's cool. That's awesome. Do you guys have any final thoughts that you want to share? Or, or rabbit trails. <laughs> <laughs> Why is it called a rabbit trail? Honestly, uh, I've never seen a rabbit trail. Actually, um, because rabbits take a lot of trails and they're usually in heavy brush or grass. And so as you're going along, you'll actually uh, see one branch here, branch there. Mm. So when it comes up, you've got multiple paths you can take. So a rabbit trail is there's one, there's one, there's one. So you could actually 
get lost. Mm-hmm. And if you walk a quarter mile, you might have passed up 30 different rabbit trails. That's amazing. Wow. Why am I not surprised that if we asked <laughs> what a rabbit trail is, Jeff's like, let me just go ahead and tell you exactly what it is. Well, thank awesome. you so much, guys, for joining us yeah, and thanks, talking about this week's scripture. Yeah, um, we want to end the, our podcast with just some family announcements, some stuff that's coming yes. up. So I think, Becca, you have some family announcements for us. Yes. Um, well, I guess one is past and one is future, Ooh, and we are in the present. Um, <laughs> so I believe many people, there was, I think, 25 different families that hosted um, this place at the table dinner. And my family was one of them. Very fun. And um, yeah, really cool. Um, Just had a crew of people. It was all women and then my husband. So it was just Cody and the gals. Um, (laughs) But women who I had never seen around church before, who I had never had a face-to-face conversation with. And it was just this beautiful thing of we're in my backyard and there's three women who are over 50 who are all single. And then there's three women who are all under 30 that are single just sitting across the table from each other and just talking about dogs and talking about careers and talking about college and talking about hard things and fun things. And it was just really cool to be a part of that. And I think you could ask any one of those people that came to the 25 dinners and have a similar one and i believe there will be another one on the calendar soon so this is me plugging it saying it was awesome and worth That's it great. and you end up getting a band name out of it cody and the girls, <laughs> cody and the girls. <laughs> yes cody's really excited about that band <laughs> he's gonna play tambourine um <laughs> <laughs> and, and what's coming up? <laughs> what's coming up? Um, this is more specific to junior high, but I think it's fun to know what's going on at church, and you can join us in prayer. Um, but literally one month from today, we are doing an on-campus overnight retreat called a 24 retreat, 24 hours long. Um, and we are—we've been doing this for four years. This is the fourth one. And we are going to be spending 24 hours looking at rest and Sabbath. And this is coming from a heart of you talk to anyone, especially junior hires, and all they have to say is how busy they are and what's next on their schedule. And so often they'll come in on a Wednesday or Sunday and be like, I am tired. And I'm like, I feel ya. Like, I'm tired too. So we are looking at Sabbath and rest and giving them opportunity to rest and actually figure out like what does it look like to unite with Jesus and rest and we have a a guest teacher coming who is it he is so far away sitting on the couch to my left Jeff Willie congrats congratulations you're just now hearing this (laughs) yeah Yeah. we just I'm I'm writing it down on my calendar right now what is that again (laughs) (laughs) that's awesome uh one other thing is think well is coming up on March 15th Sunday, and that's at six. Do you know what the subject is, Jeff? Do you want me to tell you? Yes. So, um, <laughs> if you haven't noticed, we're in election cycles right now, mm-hmm. and our country is just majorly divided, and uh, the the conflicts and the arguing, arguing, and the the talking heads on TV and stuff get us to the point where we almost don't want to turn the TV on. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, Dr. Barry Corey is going to be coming and be talking about how we bring civility to that, how we bring peace into culture in the middle of that. So, it actually is a really timely time to have him bring that in great that's awesome 
Well, I think that's it. Thank you so much, guys, again. And uh, come back next week to listen to another podcast. All right. All right. Thank you. <laughs> thank Bye-bye. you. Bye. Thanks for listening to this week's Fullerton Free Podcast. We pray that your time listening to these responses to the message has helped you think about your own response to how God is moving in your life. We hope that you will take what you listen to today and continue the conversation throughout your week.